Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us online today. You find us, as Justin mentioned, we're in the middle of Keeping the Faith series, and thank you to Shettle for kicking it off last week. Really, really uh, been looking forward to these two months, January and February, as we do each year. We kick it off with an opportunity for us to stoke the flame of faith for this year, and I think we couldn't pick a better time to do that than this year particularly. When When I look at 2021, I get a sense in my spirit and in my conversations with people, there seems to be a a fresh promise or a fresh optimism in people's hearts for this year. But yet at the same time, there's also an uncertainty and an insecurity. It's they're kind of at odds. And it, it reminds me of actually our walk of faith that we we in our flesh and in ourselves, we have this insecurity, but we have the choice to go to that place of faith and promise and optimism. And that's what we want to do this January, this month and next month in February. And so whatever the story, when you look at the story of your life and the chapter of last year and the chapter of this year, I think the title of those chapters will, I think they're yet to be written. On hindsight, when we look back, I hope that we can see, yes, a challenging time, but boy, did God do something amazing in my life and in my church. And so I'm, I'm really optimistic for this year. I'm really excited about this series. I can't wait for the faith cards and the fasting week and the prophetic. And I, I'm really excited about this series. And so when I think about our current context, it helps me also ponder how the early church was. Uh, I think our current situation is probably somewhat similar to what they faced in the first century church. They faced restrictions. They were persecuted. They were a persecuted church. They did not have a building to meet in. They couldn't gather in large numbers. They had to meet in people's homes and back streets and over a coffee in a cafe because they were persecuted. They were going to be locked up if they were caught worshipping Christ. And so when I think about what they faced and how they built the church, we have so much more. We have technology. They didn't have Zoom. They didn't have the technology to record and broadcast. They didn't have social media. They didn't have SMS and iPhones, etc. They didn't have the internet, but they did have restrictions just like us. They did have limitations on how we can meet They did have that sort of challenge as well. But here's something that they do have that I want to see continue to be built into the culture and the heart of this church. They had a secret source. They had a recipe. They had a formula. They had something that caused the church to flourish even under limitations. And that was quite simply the way they cared for each other, the way they were intentional and passionate about staying together as one, even though they couldn't be together as one. And that's what I want to talk about today briefly, how they stay connected, remained generous, and of course, they kept safe as well. And so if you're feeling a little flat, like three tires on your, your life are 
lost some, some air and they've gone a little flat, if you're feeling somewhat disoriented in your soul or, and a little bit depressed and tired, then I think don't uh, just think it's just you. It's actually probably everybody are feeling that way these days. And so I want to jump into two passages today. I want to inspire us. I want to encourage us and challenge us. I'm not intending to do a Bible study. I just want to in- encourage us today to stand up and recognize that 2021 is not 2020, that this is a fresh year for us and we can approach it with a fresh optimism, even in the sense of uncertainty in front of us. So let's do that. Genesis 15. Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth or another translation says great possessions. And so God is speaking to Abram about a future generation. It's incredible. And that they will be they will be locked up. They'll be persecuted. They'll be enslaved by Egypt for 400 years. And then that 400 years will come to an end and they'll be released with great wealth. If we skip across to the New Testament in Acts 1 verse 3, during the 40 days after he suffered. So Christ has died on the cross, been buried. He, he's risen again. And in verse 3, it says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And then he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Another translation says, the apostles to whom he presented himself alive. And so that's a theme I want to talk about today, because when you look at scripture, you can find patterns that indicate the way God works in our lives. The Bible says that the things that were written before time were written for our learning today, that they're relevant for us today. And so we see the patterns in Scripture of how God works and how He moves give us a very strong understanding of how He's working today. So He approaches Abram. He goes, hey, Abram, I want to give you a heads up on something that's going to happen a bit down the track with future generations, with your seed. I've already been there. I know what's going on. There will be a limitation, a restriction on their suffering. They will have 400 years of slavery. They will go in and come out of that trial. And when they come out, they will be be completely different than when they went in. And they will come out with great wealth. It's an interesting concept to understand that we see this pattern through Scripture again and again, that God is already in our trial before the trial comes to us. He's already put a beginning point and an end point to our circumstances, to our suffering, to our hardship. He puts a limitation. He puts a limitation. It's not an open end. There's a limitation to our trial. And, of course, during these challenging days, these restrictions, which may become more restrictive before they become less, it's a challenging time. And now we find ourselves, we're post-Christmas and post-New Year and the joy of that season, and we're longing for spring. And if you've been living in Sweden for a few years, you start to appreciate that these months right now are the difficult months of the year where the winter seems long and the spring just doesn't seem to turn up in time. 
I want to be honest with you. I've spoken to numerous people and they all feel somewhat deflated and tired emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. That 2020 was a tough year. It was a tough year for us as a church. It knocked us off our feet. It disoriented us. And we scrambled to get things working again. But as I think about it, to be really honest with you, I find this context of us as a community of faith, this context of us as a church is completely unsatisfactory. Unsatisfying. And I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But we are doing the best we can. But I want you to know today that Susanne and I love you. We may not be able to connect in each other's presence as we want to. We may not be able to gather as a, as a family, as it's God's family on a Sunday and celebrate him in one spirit and one voice and be under his word and, and just get fed and be together and enjoy each other. And just, yeah, I miss that terribly. And as I speak to many others, they miss it too. So I want you to know this is unsatisfactory what we're doing right now, but we have to because we respect the guidance and the, the boundaries and the restrictions that the government has put in place. They are appropriate and proper. But I'm tired. I'm tired. And I know many of you are too. But today I want to encourage you. It doesn't have to be that way. I've personally started to power walk and, and try to adjust my food intake and and drink more water and um, adjust myself so when spring comes, I'm ready for it. I don't want to spend all of spring adjusting to it so I'm ready for summer. I want to hit spring running. I want to be prepared for the coming season. And that's the same for us as a church. You see, we may not be growing numerically, but we are growing in so many other ways as a church. What this pandemic has done and has done a lot of horrific things in our world and in our country. But one of the things it's doing for us as a church is trimming us back to what's most important. And what's most important is loving you well. That we will come out of this season of hardship a much stronger church. A strong, stronger church based on the fact that Christ came into this world because of love. He established his body and called it a body that we're connected. Like Sheto talked about last week, we are connected to one another because of love. And he's placed us in this city to love. And I just, I just think that's a tremendous picture that God has given us as a body connected together. So even under these limitations, yes, let's be tired, but let's also recognize that this is the beginning of a new year, a new opportunity, a new optimism even in the face of a level of uncertainty. So we may be isolating physically, but let's not isolate relationally. Let's not isolate spiritually. Let's show ourselves alive and love each other well. Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days. A set time frame, a beginning and an end, 40 days. He walked into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days, sought the Lord, sought the Father for 40 days. And during that period, the devil came to him and hit him three times, hit him once, hit him twice and hit him a third time. And when I look at Christ going through that 40 day trial of temptation, of starvation, he was vulnerable. Let me tell you, when you fast, you're vulnerable. 
And he was in a context of vulnerability when the devil came and hit him once, hit him twice and hit him three times. But what I do see with that particular situation that Jesus was in, that trial that he came through, is that he he walked through it pretty well. I think he walked through it exceptionally well. With that in mind, I jumped to Calvary. I jumped to a a season, a period of his life that he knew was coming from day one. I I jumped to a trial, a time of suffering and hardship, a time of isolation for him, where I don't see a, a man just walking through it. I see a person who gets scarred and marred I see a Christ, I see a Jesus suffering. He took the scars for us that we would be healed. He suffered so that we would be redeemed. He died so that we would have victory and power and authority. This trial he went through, it scarred him and it marred him. But he rose again. There was a time frame again. There was a time frame, a beginning and an end to the trial. He rose again the third day. He broke out of the tomb. He even folded his bedclothes up, the wrappings that he had, and walked out of the tomb victorious and showed himself alive. There's an intentionality to that statement, to show ourselves alive. I believe you can't go through something like 2020 and not be scarred or marred in some way. In some way, whether you know it or not, 2020 is not your typical challenging trial that you can just wait and walk through. But there will be an element of scarring and marring for all of us. And that's why I can't help but be optimistic for this year. That's why I can't help but to follow Christ's example of showing himself alive after the resurrection that we approach this month of January and February and go to that place of faith and believing for God this year. I don't have another choice. I'm not just going to wait this out on the benches. I'm taking a face on and going to a place of faith. And I hope you would join me as well. In October 1974, in Zaire, Africa, what is now known as the Congo, 60,000 people gathered in an arena in blazing heat and thick humidity. 1974. How old were you in 1974? I think I was seven. Some of you may not have even been born, and that's fine, but you can find this story anywhere on the internet, and if you're around my age, you'll definitely remember it. October 1974 in Zaire, Africa, George Foreman, a huge man, took on Muhammad Ali in front of 60,000 people in a boxing match. Here's the incredible stat. One billion people tuned in to their TVs to watch that fight. One billion. Incredible. What today would attract one billion people to tune in? I'm not sure I know. But it was a huge deal in the world. A young Muhammad Ali going up against a giant called George Foreman. Here's the thing about Muhammad Ali. He was called the Louisville Lip. 
interesting. He was quite a cheeky character and he would give the opposition a hard time at every press conference before the fight and even during the fight. And I just want to give you a couple of the things he would say at the press conference to George Foreman. He said this, you think the world is in shock when President Nixon resigned? Just wait till I whip George Foreman's behind. He saw himself as a bit of a poet. He said this, this is more famous, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. George, you can't hit what you can't see. Yep, I, I don't know what to say, but there you go. That's what he, he used to say to the opposition at a press conference before the fight. And he was called the Louisville Lip. He always had something smart to say. So the, the fight starts and, of course, as predicted, George literally jumps to the lead. He is just hammering Muhammad Ali up against the ropes. Muhammad Ali's got his gloves up protecting his face and his elbows down protecting his ribs and... George Foreman is literally going for it. He is going to take this guy out. And as you, if you've seen any boxing matches, you'll see that an opposition uh, fighter will sometimes bounce off the ropes and bounce into the opposing person and grab them and they get into this sweaty cuddle. And that's what happened. And Muhammad Ali pulled George Foreman in and said to him, George, they told me you could hit. Let him go. The fight continues. George Foreman gets angrier and angrier and just lashes out at Muhammad Ali again and again and again while he's bouncing off the ropes on the side of the, mat, uh, side of the, um, the ring. Later on after the match, Muhammad Ali lets us in on his strategy. He said this, I was planning it. I was faking it. I was leaning in on the ropes on purpose. I knew if I could get him to keep on hitting me again and again and again, that as big as he is, I'm going to wear him out and wear him down, and then my moment will come. You see, at this point in the fight, even the commentators were saying Muhammad Ali was done, finished, it's over, he can't take any more. This is what George Foreman said after the fight. This was his take on what happened for him. George says, I thought this kid was just going to be another knockout match for me up until the seventh round. I hit him so hard in the jaw, I thought I would have almost killed him. And George went on and said, a few minutes after that hit, Muhammad Ali bounced back off those ropes grabbed me again and pulled me in tight and said these words in my ear. He said, is that all you've got, George? Seventh round, one to seven. He's had nothing except a complete beating against the ropes and he bounces off, grabs George and says, is that all you've got, George? And in that moment, George Foreman said, Something just left me. I'm not dealing with some little weakling here. He's a lot stronger than I thought. Church, when I think of last year and I think of this month and I think of the time to come, I think of the pandemic. I think of flattening the curve and social distancing, staying home, 
protests and violence and climate change catastrophes around the world of fires, floods and, and hurricanes. I, I think of a crazy election process. I've got to say to you, at some point, we've got to stand up and say, is that all you've got, devil? Is that the best you can do? I heard you could hit, but I'm still standing on the seventh round. Is that the best you can do, 2020? Because I've got to tell you, my 2021 is going to be different. My 2021 is going to be filled with a sense of hope and purpose and faith. I'm not going to lay down anymore. I'm not going to bounce off those ropes anymore. I'll let you in on something. The seventh round came and went. Eighth round, Muhammad Ali knocked George Foreman, Foreman to the canvas out cold. I've got a feeling this year church that this year is going to be our eighth round I've got a feeling this year eighth round is coming victory is coming breakthrough is coming that we are going to gather once again we're going to grow once again we're going to establish the core value of loving people well that we would follow the early church example and be intentional and passionate about connecting regardless of the restrictions and regardless of what's going on in the world that we would zero in past the social media and all the news and focus on what's the most important thing is that Christ would be glorified in our lives and in our relationships. That we would become ministers of the Holy Spirit into each other's lives, just like the early church. Can I encourage you? Grab the family calendar off the wall and grab your spouse and write down some names this week that you're going to reach out to and bless and encourage, bring a word of encouragement, pray for and carry in Jesus' name. This month of February, oh, of January and February, we have the faith cards. Boy, is that a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for us all to go to a place of faith for something personal, for something for our family and for something for our church. Three things. Three things that you need a breakthrough on. Three things you need an answer for. Three things you need provision for. Three things you need to see clarity for. Three things that God wants to do this year in your life. We're going to be posting them out to you soon. But you can already start praying about it and thinking about it. What's going to be on your faith card for this year? Your dream card for this year? We've got a week of prayer and fasting coming up. We're going to be praying over people. I'm so excited for that. I'm believing God's going to speak to you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to bring a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit into your spirit in Jesus' mighty name.